0: Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson
1: So those that know, know, and what's understood need not be explained. So, look, I'm here, you're here. What do you say we talk some sports? Here's a look at today's 6 at 6. We started start with NFL owners who will meet next Tuesday and Wednesday to consider changes to a game manual that says players, quote-unquote, should stand during the national anthem, a guideline that the league has left to the discretion of players who kneeled in larger numbers after criticism from President Donald Trump. Roger Goodell said in a memo to club executives Tuesday that the anthem issue is dividing the league from its fans, saying the NFL needs to, quote-unquote, move past this controversy. Goodell goes on to say, like many of our fans, we believe that everyone should stand for the national anthem. It is an important moment in our game. We want to honor our flag and our country, and our fans expect that of us. We also care deeply about our players and respect their opinions and concerns about critical social issues. The controversy over the anthem is a barrier to having honest conversations and making real progress on the underlying issues. We need to move past this controversy, and we want to do that together with our players. Our NFL spokesman Joe Lockhart said the policy will be front and center on the agenda at the regularly scheduled owners' meeting next week in New York. A discussion on this development is in our agenda That's for later in the program. Meanwhile, the Arizona Cardinals are hoping whatever's left of Adrian Peterson can help them improve the league's worst rushing game. Today, the Cards traded a conditional 2018-6 for all day, who gained all of 81 yards on 27 carries with a long of 11. Arizona averaging 2.6 as a team. The team released Chris Johnson. Life comes full circle. You'll recall that Arizona passed on Peterson with the fifth pick in the 07 draft, and instead took Levi Brown, the number one pick of this edition of the Six NFL Insider. Jocena Anderson joins us now. Jocena, how did this trade come about?
0: Well, I spoke to Adrian Peterson last week, and he let me know that he actually had a conversation with Sean Payton in which they had a very professional dialogue and exchange, and that is a time at which the head coach of the Saints just tried to get a pulse from Adrian Peterson, figure out how he was feeling um, about the situation. And also, at the same time, Michael, let him know that whatever you want to do in terms of how you want to handle this situation, I understand. Also, at the same time, like we want to let you know that we do have plans to try to integrate you more into this offense so, Michael, that was the time that he really put it in Adrian Peterson's hand to kind of let him know, what is it that you want to do? It, And I know after that time, with talking to Peterson, that he was just going to take it in, think about how he wanted to approach it, and then obviously this news came about today, but that situation was laid on the table going back to that conversation last week. Obviously, you since he's coming there, Michael, he was not happy because he still thinks that he has more to give in terms of his production.
1: Certainly never able to get in a rhythm and Alvin Kamara's emergence obviously makes him that much more expendable in New Orleans. So how does Peterson view his role with the Cardinals knowing that David Johnson, he could return from injury reserve as early as November 9th against the Seahawks?
0: Well, first and foremost, I talked to him like an hour ago. He's very happy for this transition and the opportunity to contribute to an offense that he feels like really needs him. Matter of fact, he told me that the Cardinals are sending a jet. He was already on his way. He had a three o'clock flight central. And um, I asked him, you know, is this the situation that you feel like you really want to go to since everything materialized so fast, knowing, as you mentioned at the top of the show, that David Johnson is going to come back. And he he, he told me he can't even think about that right now because it's just kind of too far in advance he just wants to take everything as it is right now try to contribute um he didn't even know about the trade at the time that we were talking he found out on the internet i also talked to chris johnson he found out the same way so michael everything is just really happening fast yeah. um uh, it sounds like they just want to try to find a way to get him there get him going and figure it out later
1: Well, an aggressive move by the Cardinals who think he's an upgraded running back, but that offensive line thats a different conversation. We appreciate the conversation, Cena. Take it easy. Thanks for the knowledge. Uh, Apparently taking 32 hits and 16 sacks in five games is taking its toll on 40-year-old Tom Brady. Not at Patriots practice today, although technically it was an extra practice for the team, having played Thursday in Tampa. There are reports that he's been playing through a minor left shoulder injury, which he first hurt against the Panthers. Now, Brady said after the game that he'd be there on Sunday against the Jets. My main man, Mike Reese, joins me now from Foxborough, Mass. So, Mike, what can you tell us about Brady's injury?
2: Well, let's start with this, Michael. Tom Brady is not a day off type of guy. And, you know, some players like a maintenance day to stay off the field from practice, but not Tom Brady. He takes a lot of pride in being on the practice field. He wasn't on the field today, has a minor left shoulder injury, and I'll sort of take you right out onto the scene. I was out at practice earlier this afternoon, and as I was driving from the practice field to the media workroom, I actually saw Tom Brady driving off, presumably, up to his TB Sports Therapy Center, which is right up down the road here uh, from the stadium, to get some work on that left shoulder. But I had asked him after the game on Thursday night about the hits he's taken, and he said, just football I'll be there next Sunday aggravated the shoulder actually in the Carolina game and then aggravated it again against the Buccaneers but nothing Michael that I'm told he can't play through Uh,
1: another thing that's been interesting that he said recently is that uh, he positions himself and has learned how to take hits and fall on that left shoulder in order to protect his throwing shoulder what if any adjustments do you expect him or the Patriots offense to make to better protect him
2: Well, it's a great point, Michael, and he did say that last week. And I just came out of the locker room not too long ago, and that was a big theme among players in the locker room today. I spoke with running back James White, and he said, point blank, we have to do a better job protecting Tom Brady, and we're all accountable for that. And Tom Brady has said himself, Michael, that he needs to get rid of the ball at times quicker. Specifically in the red zone, he feels like he's holding on to the ball A little bit too long so it's not just the offensive line it's not just tom brady it's not just the receivers it's everyone uh has a part in this trying to protect tom brady because the combination is what they don't want a 40 year old quarterback who's taken 32 hits in the first five games and 16 sacks
1: great intel mike good to talk to you i appreciate you man after a career high five picks including two pick sixes ben roethlisberger seemed to sarcastically suggest that he lost his touch well, he's only had one 300-yard game in his last 11 and, of course, had thoughts about retirement in the offseason. But on second thought, turns out Ben just needed to pick me up.
3: What he says after a five-interception performance, moments after a five-interception performance, probably is not reflective of who he is and how he feels. And that's why I take some of those comments with a grain of salt I don't react the way that some of you guys react when you hear comments. Um, last year, after a very disappointing playoff exit, he talked about retirement. You guys... Ran to the
4: moon and back with that. Here we sit today, and he's our quarterback. You sleep on it, you pray on it, you talk to people, friends, family. You wake up Monday morning and you realize, man, I'm still one of the best in the world that 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 do what I do. Um, and uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna have that confidence. I'm gonna have that when I go out there on Sun when I go out there Wednesday to practice and Sunday when we go to Kansas City. Is uh, you know, I have that belief that I'm one of the best that's ever done it. If it's the best that's ever played this position and. You have to have
1: that confidence. Hasn't been the best start for Ben, and that's putting it kindly. His 254 passing yards per game are his fewest since 2012. His total QBR of 50 is his worst since 2008. His 6.5 yards per attempt rank is the worst mark of his career, if it holds up. And so far, he's thrown more picks than he has touchdowns, which he hasn't done over a full season since '06. we We'll tell you Pittsburgh fans whether to panic on Big Ben in a little bit. Your starting lineup for the 2017-18 Cleveland Cavaliers. D. Wade is your starting shooting guard alongside D. Rose. LeBron, Jay Crowder, and Kevin Love at the 5, which I love. Uh, Cavs play host to D. Rose, and more recently D. Wade's former team, the Bulls, tonight at 8 on ESPN.
5: Uh, I don't know. We'll see, man. I don't, I don't know. i never played with him. You know, and I don't you yeah, know, you know, me, I don't you really think you about
3: know. the analytics and talk about you know, these guys, not three points. I don't think about that. I just think about being able to be on the floor and win games. That's all that matters, when I think, you know, his ability to play, his ability to slide, to make plays, my ability to the same. I think we got enough of different things on this team.
6: You don't want too much of just the
3: same thing.
1: Doris Burke is in Cleveland. Doris, what are you expecting from that Rose D Way backcourt this season?
6: Well, what's interesting, Michael, as you know, last year, the Cavaliers set any number of franchise records for threes made and combined between D. Rose and D. Wade last year for the respective teams they played for, they only made 58. Interestingly, moments ago, D. Wade was taking a lot of warm-up shots from the three-point line. So it'll be interesting. Obviously, it will be different. The other interesting aspect is keep in mind, Derek Rose will be the first guy subbed out likely in the first quarter. So I don't know how much run they're going to get consistently together. The rationale for that is because they're going to move Derrick Rose to the point guard position on that second unit. The reason being when Isaiah Thomas comes back healthy hopefully in December or early January is the timetable now, then he would move full time to that second unit and they'd like to have some tempo and rhythm built up. So, it'll be very interesting.
1: You mentioned that lack of three-point shooting with Wade and D. Rose, one of the reasons why they are starting Kevin Love at the five and moving Tristan Thompson along with J.R. Smith to the bench. So this is our first glimpse of that Cavs starting lineup. What are you most interested to see, Doris?
6: Well, you touched on a couple of the things, but obviously J.R. Smith has been the starting two-guard and cited by Ty Lewis being one of the best, if not the best, perimeter defensive player. So how does he react to being moved now to the bench to have Dwayne Wade as the starting two-guard? Obviously, he has matured greatly, Michael, and he's going to need to sacrifice a little bit and be willing to do that. Tristan Thompson has always been one of the most selfless Cavaliers they have, so I expect he'd make the adjustment easily, but I'm really curious as the season plays out how that chemistry works.
1: All right, Doris, we'll see you at 8 for the retooled calves versus the rebuilding bulls. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Michael. Uh, The Las Vegas Knights, the city's first pro team in a major sport, will play the first home game of their inaugural season tonight at T-Mobile Arena against the Arizona Coyotes. The event became more meaningful, of course, in the aftermath of the mass shooting on the Vegas Strip October 1st that killed 58 people and left hundreds more injured, one of the deadliest shooting incidents in U.S. history. Now, ESPN Steve Levy is in Las Vegas. And Steve, we have seen how sports can help be a part of the healing process.
4: How is this event, though, different? Well, it's very different. Uh, these types of things are always awkward and they're always uncomfortable and they're always trying to make them respectful, but this is most definitely unique. Usually in those other instances, these sports teams are parts of the fabric of their particular community. Of course, in this case, as they say, you know, no one's from Las Vegas. None of these players are from Las Vegas either. This is a most unique opportunity, and the players are up against something maybe no pro sports franchise has ever been faced with. They're the home team without ever playing a home game, and tonight they'll do the best they can.
7: We're trying to play a big role
0: in, you know, bringing some, uh, bringing some smiles and some positive stuff to the, this community after what happened in this city, and um, you know, the city deserves a hockey team, and they finally got one. So it's going to be a, a lot of fun this year, and we're going to rally behind everybody, and um, you know, really turn this uh, this town into a. A hockey town.
8: We know it's going to be emotional, we know it's going to be hard on, on us and on everybody in the building, but it's, to be a good professional hockey player, you need to be able to uh, to, to,
2: to step up in those moments, and uh, I think tomorrow it's one of them that you need to be ready. I think our vets did a really good job of addressing that, saying, you know, a lot of our guys have said hey, this is bigger than us right now, um, it's bigger than our franchise, it's bigger than the, the NHL, it's, big, it's, it's, it's our country, it's our city right now, and so I think it's something to put into perspective a little bit um, and to go out there and make sure that you put your best foot forward for our our town right now than for our city. Looking
4: really at this as a big group hog of 17,000 people tonight inside of T-Mobile, and they're really not treating this as their first ever home game. That'll be Friday night when the Red Wings come in. Tonight is all about paying their respects to those who have lost their lives, their families, and the first responders. Things out of the ordinary tonight, Michael. No advertisements on the boards. There'll be no Budweiser, pizza, or anything like that. It'll be hashtag Vegas strong. Also, we're told that one Vegas Golden Knight player will take the microphone prior to game time and address the crowd from the heart. And lastly, the Knights were doing something that was really cool. When they first became a possibility, they took season ticket holder deposit money. And every one of those names will be inside the ice tonight. We're also told there will be 58 other names on the ice tonight. Those will be marked all the names of all the victims from what took place on October the 1st. Wow. That's a story from here in Las Vegas. Not your typical Vegas party night tonight, Mike.
1: No, good stuff. And it should be a powerful, emotional scene. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate it.
4: We used to joke with you a couple years ago about sliding and getting down. And now you seem
9: quite comfortable with sliding and, and getting down. It looks very natural to you. Is that something yeah. that, that that you practiced
3: at all in the all season? It's the drip, most definitely it's the drip. Now don't you know, don't don't get it misconstrued. That a lot of what I do is, you know, the swag, the sauce, the drip, the goo, you know what I'm saying, whatever you wanna call it. But, you know, just to get my my tail out of harm's way.
1: The swag, the sauce, Salt, the drip, drip the goo. goo. what Hey. I don't know what that means. No. I'm but too I old,
10: man. I've gotten old really quick, man. Tell I can't anybody. figure out things Tell like anybody.
1: that. I mean. But I, I know what it says. I don't know what he means, but I know what that says. That he's comfortable. And yeah. that's probably what got him in trouble last week. was yeah. He got a little too comfortable. And under the guise of offering a compliment, he came off as condescending. Seven touchdowns, one interception against the Patriots and Lions the last couple of weeks. That's what happens. When Cam is comfortable yeah. he, and he's winning, he's playing well. It shows all throughout the week. Is this the cam you expect to see the rest of the way?
10: Absolutely. And, and he has weapons. And for the first time around him, we have Christian McCaffrey coming out of the back. Without the Greg make, Olson. I'm sorry? Without Greg Olson. Without Greg That's Olson. Crazy, yeah. Dixon shows up. The big yeah. tight end shows up and has a good one. Punches has been unbelievable. The other punches has been making plays in, in space that he has to create space. And he's making plays with his hands. And Kelvin Benjamin has a big play last week. He has a lot of guys around him who have a ton of confidence in him. He has a defense that plays four quarters for him and an offense right now that is bruising, man. They'll they'll run the ball at you. When they want to commit to running the football, they will run the football. But Cam is coming back to the old Cam that we knew. He's getting out of the pocket. He's using his athleticism. He's doing the right things. He's making the right reads. And he's being patient with what teams are giving him. We saw in the past where Cam would load up and try to force balls into certain spots. He's not doing that. He's taking his time because he knows he has guys, he has a great defense, and he knows he has weapons that will make big plays for him.
1: And we know he can be brilliant. Can he be consistently brilliant and stringing together a string of games? And like what? you said, making the right decisions, swag, sauce, drip, and goo, drip, whatever goo, it is Yeah. when it comes to sliding. Tom Brady, not at practice today, and according to Mike Reese, who joined us earlier, he's been dealing with a left shoulder injury for which he has undergone tests, according to a source, but it's nothing he can't play through, of course, right? Uh, he's taken 32 hits and been sacked 16 times in five games. Darren, do the Patriots need to make a, a scheme change to keep Brady
10: off the ground, or is this just life? This I, I, you know, we talk about scheme changes to Tom Brady. He feels insulted mm-hmm. because this is what he's done. This is what he's done his entire career. He's going to be the same person, and they're going to run this offense the same way. Now, listen, can they, can they keep a back in every once in a while? Can they keep a tight end out uh, if, they're, if they're playing against a, a team that has a great pass? Rusher? Probably, yeah. They can, they can check blocks before they go out. But at the same time, he's going to open it up. He's going to rely on his ability to read the defense, make the plays that he has, spread right. it out, and find a one-on-one matchup. And, and, get, and, get, and he said that earlier. He, they get inside the 20, he's been holding on to the ball, which he has. And he's taken a lot of shots because of it. But the confidence is still there. I, still, I see Brady as being you know, as strong as ever as, as they make this playoff run and, and as the season progresses. Yeah. He will. They will not change what they do. Right. They're this
1: just is do what it better. Dante Skarnecki is going to coach that lineup. He's
10: going to coach the lineup. They'll make some adjustments, but at the same time, they're not going to keep guys in. They'll spread you out, and, and he'll dink and dunk you and beat you down the field.
1: Speaking of confidence, after that five interception performance, if you will, against the Jaguars, Ben Roethlisberger said that he maybe didn't have it anymore, and today told 93.7 The Fan that he woke up Monday morning and realized, you know what? I'm still one of the best in the world <laughs> at what I do. Sound like Wolverine or somebody? What <clears throat> impact do you think is? off-the-field headlines maybe having on the field, or is this just one bad game against a very good
10: defense? You're talking about the leader of of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and and you're talking about a guy in Ben Roethlisberger who who, who likes to talk a lot. you, You would like to see him have these conversations with Mike Tomlin and maybe the ownership is behind closed doors instead of the media. Yeah. Those are the conversations they need to have. And you're talking about a lot of personalities on this football team. Lady Bell is still upset that he didn't get the long-term deal. He wants the ball more. Yeah. He's on a franchise tag right now. You know he's not happy. Antonio Brown is throwing water coolers on the sideline. So you're going back to last week.
1: Yeah, this radio I'm, show seems to be an issue for you.
10: Yeah, well, I just think that when we talk about Ben Roethlisberger, he's the leader of this bunch. He yeah. has to act like the leader. He can't be talking about retirement in the offseason. I mean, have the attitude of, of that leader. I can't imagine going into a season and having a guy like Troy Aikman talking about, well, you know, I have the best weapons... In the league right now. Martavius Bryant's coming back. And I got Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, but I'm talking about retirement. You just don't have those conversations. That doesn't even come up to, you, to your mindset. It's, it's basically about. Keep, that, window, in. You keep the, that in here. The window of opportunity is closing. They yeah. need to win now. This team is built to win a championship right now. They can't have a quarterback talking about retirement.
1: And now they got him out here, Brett Favre, trying to see if he still got it. Yeah. MRI performed Tuesday showed no new damage to Sam Bradford's injured left knee, according to team athletic trainer Eric Sugarman. Now, Bradford is suffering from what Sugarman termed wear and tear. On on the knee, but his status remains day-to-day. Started, but was removed in the second quarter of last night's game against the Bears. Case Keenum would get the call against the Packers if Bradford can't go. Meanwhile, many are calling Mitchell Trubisky's debut a success.
10: John Fox said the kid has got what it takes. You yeah. agree with Fox? Absolutely. I, you watch this kid early in this game. They're getting him out of the pocket. They're using his athleticism. He's making great throws on the run. He's accurate with the football. Exactly what they saw when they drafted this kid. Big arm strength, accuracy, and athleticism. And there's a huge future for for Mitchell Trubisky, I think the question mark is for the fan base and the team. You can't look at the box scores. You can't expect them to win every football game. He's going to have a learning curve. He's going to have his ups and downs. But they have a talent at that quarterback position that's going to grow and grow as the season goes on and next year. To your point, eight of his 25
1: attempts came outside the pocket. Mike Glennon had four such throws. Uh, in four games this season, so they certainly took advantage of his mobility. And good news, he had a total QBR of 13.7 to your box score point. Yep. The last two uh, top two picks who finished with a lower total QBR in their first career starts, Jameis Winston and Matthew Stafford. Oh, man. So, there you, there you go. Cardinals traded for running back Adrian Peterson today. They sent the Saints a conditional six-round pick. Uh, from what you've seen so far this year, and he hasn't really had an opportunity to get a bunch of carries and get in the rhythm and break that long one, assuming he still has that in him, Woody, but from what you've seen, can he make a significant impact with Arizona with David Johnson still sidelined,
10: I, I, we're not going to see the old AP that we've seen in the past, where he's breaking tackles and he's making big we're long 60 yard runs. We're not going to oh, see AD, that. Excuse we Yeah, we're, we're not going to see Adrian Peterson do that. But what we are going to see is a guy who runs with intensity. Mm-hmm. We're going to see an, an identity that the offense, that the Arizona Cardinals do not have. And as far as the running game, you're going to see a lot more play action because teams are going to have to load up now. You still got to respect. It. You got to respect. You better drop that man in, in the box. If not, he's going to hit you for, with some yards. So they want to set up some things with, with AP. It's a, it's a, with Adrian Peterson at the same time. Run the ball consistently, get him in, get him inside the tackles, make him pound you, third and short, pound game, fourth uh, four and short, goal line, you'll see Adrian Peterson show, it, show himself in, but then the, the, the play action pass is going to be huge for this team with him.
1: That man needs no introduction, but we will be introduced tonight for the first time to the new starting five of the Cleveland Cavaliers with that man D. Wade at shooting guard and Kevin Love at the five and Derek Derrick Rose sharing a backcourt, something you never thought we'd see. How much better will we see Derrick Rose this year? Check out what he said earlier.
3: I get the chance to reintroduce myself back to the league. Um, I get the bet on myself. That was one of the reasons why I came here. I get the bet on myself. And I'm from Chicago. I got that hustling style. Uh, it's Emmy, man. The next time
1: you pay me, you have me double. So it's fine finally... with Paul Pierce is here. You're an L.A. guy. you all hustle a little bit out mm-hmm. there. Are you betting on Derrick Rose?
5: Well, the risk and the reward is pretty great because you don't give him a lot of money. You get him on a minimum deal. And so now you're saying you're not asking for the Derrick Rose of old. You're asking him to contribute. He's going to be a lot better under that system than, say, a Darren Williams was yesterday. And then he's going to have space to drive. So it's a high-risk not really a high risk. It's, mm-hmm. it's a low risk, high reward.
1: Absolutely. And, and as we talked about earlier with Doris Burke, he'll run a lot of that uh, second unit point when Isaiah Thomas comes back healthy. Uh, speaking of health, Joel Embiid, not so much. Still got five years, $148 million. In 31 games last year. And as you probably know true, nobody, no, nobody has ever averaged, no rookie, more points per 36 minutes other than Will Chamberlain. And then it's Joel Embiid. And when he was on the floor on defense, The Sixers had the best defense in terms of efficiency in the league. So was it smart by Philly to go in all all in on him?
5: Well, yeah, you got to retain him right away because when healthy, he's one of the best big men in the league. So the only thing about him is his health. We know he can do. We know his skill level. So it's good to lock him up right now before he hits the free agent uh, mark. And then you say, hey, Joel, we need you on the court. We need you healthy. And when he's healthy, you know, watch out. The Philadelphia Sixers are going to be a team to watch this year. Uh, Markel Fultz,
1: not so healthy. Uh, He's dealing with a uh, shoulder issue. Mm -hmm. His shot form, let's just say it looks (laughs) interesting. Drew some attention from the line last night. What do you think about it, Drew?
5: You know what? Every draft pick Philadelphia has had over the last four years has dealt with an injury. At least he's on the court. You know, he just has to get healthy, you know, to get with the trainers, take some time off. But that doesn't look good right there, you know. Take some time off, you know, get healthy and be ready for regular season.
1: All right. the Houston Rockets went regular season for last night. It's still preseason, but don't tell that to Houston. Uh, James Harden, 36-11, 9 rebounds. 117-95 over the Knicks. Mike D'Antoni's old team, the Daily News, says that Jeff Hornacek was a little peeved at the tactics and he's not surprised that D'Antoni would run up the score on the, in the preseason. A little showboating, a little celebrating. The Rockets said, look, <laughs> we got two games left. We're trying to get ready to, to make a run at this thing. Do you have a problem with them kind of running it up, it seemed like, in the preseason?
5: absolutely not. You know, they have a brand new team. They're trying to get to know each other. They're trying to gather some confidence. So, you know, they're going all out. Like I said, the preseason has been shortened this year, so you only have so many games to get better, so many practices. So, you know, they're going to try to play right now how they plan on playing in the regular season. So I have no problem with that. They're trying to get their, their chemistry together.
1: Yeah, so many games, so many practices, and zero excuses with Chris Paul in the backcourt. Now, Now Harden, uh, he, the story of the weekend, this is coming off of him responding to former coach Kevin McHale, who, who said, look, Harden's not a leader. And now that Chris Paul is there, Harden could just focus on basketball. Harden said that he's a clown and said he's showing his true colors, <laughs> that he did everything he could when <laughs> Kevin McHale was there. And obviously it didn't work out. That's why McHale was fired and working for NBA TV. Um, what do you think of McHale's criticism? Is it really criticism or is it, or is it just the hard truth?
5: Well, you know, I, I, I'm not there in the locker room every day. I'm not around James Harden to say he's a leader or not. Kevin McHale, that's just his opinion. Harden feels like he's led this team over the last few years. He's the best player. He's the highest paid player. That doesn't necessarily make you a leader, but I can see that James has definitely grown over the last year or so under D'Antoni. So, you know, maybe he has something to prove. You know, the best players in this league always need motivation, and maybe this is one for James.
1: Anybody play more minutes or more games than James Harden? That's one way of leading. He shows up and plays hard every night. Uh, Check out Paul Pierce's interview with Jason Tatum, NBA Rookies. The introduction That's this Thursday at 8 p.m. Appreciate the truth, man.
4: We're trying to get people's mind away from the troubled times. We're trying to take them away from all other parts of the newspaper. That's where we talk about all the frailties, and we're trying to get them over to the sports page where they shouldn't be reading about anything but how F we are defensively or offensively or how good we are
6: as a team.
1: Jared Jones and the rest of the NFL owners, they hold their regularly scheduled meeting next Tuesday and Wednesday. And one order of business will be to consider changes to a game manual that says players should stand during the national anthem. The guideline that the league has left to the discretion of players who kneeled in larger numbers after President Donald Trump criticized the anthem protest. Not protest during the anthem, excuse me. Roger Goodell sent a memo to club executives Tuesday that the anthem issue is dividing the league from its fans, saying the NFL needs to move past this controversy he said like many of our fans we believe that everyone should stand for the national anthem it is an important moment in our game we want to honor our flag in our country and our fans expect that of us we also care deeply about our players and respect their opinions and concerns about critical social issues the controversy over the anthem is a barrier to having honest conversations and making real progress on the underlying issues we need to move past this controversy and we want to do that together with our players let's have an honest conversation with will kane darren woodson is still with us and joining us from dc is dominique foxworth dominique let's start with you um what do you think about this development this this need to come together uh and and come to come up with a, a collective plan is this a sign of progress
8: I mean, I, I hate to say it, I hope it is, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like a artfully crafted statement to try to move away from the issues that are important to the players. It seems like the president is um, using this kind of modern-day um, Southern strategy, and the owners in the NFL is, are a, um, a willing participant. And it's unfortunate when you have an opportunity to, to take a stand for something that's right. And I believe that we all accept that. I, I think even people who... Uh, who don't appreciate the um, the anthem demonstrations? They recognize that. I mean, smart people recognize that the players are not being disrespectful to the country. They're actually doing the opposite. They're asking the country to live up to its ideals. And anyone who has a problem with the players being America's conscience, I feel like I have a problem with them. So it's, it just seems quite cowardly of the owners, particularly Jerry Jones and and um, the leader of the of the and the leaders in the NFL to take this stance now. It's an easy time to take it now, and it seems like they're putting uh, their economic interests ahead of the interests of the country which is sad in my view
9: well um mike i think it is progress i don't think by any means it's a solution um but i think it's movement in the right direction i'm gonna tell you from from all three angles first of all from a personal angle and i've had conversations with dominique with darren with you as well Mm -hmm. um i am insulted by the act of kneeling before the american flag during the national anthem i find the very act somewhat insulting and i don't think i'm alone in that opinion um regardless of what the who is protesting or what they're protesting for, I find that action insulting. And I think this letter acknowledges that. Like many of our fans, we believe that everyone should stand for the national anthems and we want to do what our fans expect of us. So that's one, it's progress in that respect. Number two, it's progress on business. At this point, it's got to be obvious to anyone. As Dominique said, um, whether you agree or disagree with the protest... It's got to be obvious that it's bad for NFL business. The polling shows it. the NFL owners are speaking out from John Mara to Jerry Richardson to Stephen Ross to Jerry Jones that this is bad for business. And Roger Goodell is saying here this is threatening to erode the unifying power of our business. But finally, I think this is progress towards the conversation that you and I have had together, Mm -hmm. that you and I, Dominique, have had together, that if we understand that the protest action itself was an insult that got in the way of talking about productive things that we can make solutions for or have debate and disagreement on, then it's actually progress in that direction if we can get beyond having this over the national anthem and during uh, the display of the American flag.
10: What he, listen, I think the social issues are going to continue to be there. And those social issues are going uh, to—at some point, listen, the owners are looking at this saying the bottom line. They're looking at their bottom line. If you're a business owner, I'm a business owner back in Dallas. I'm always looking at the bottom line and and how it's going to be affected. And that's exactly what the ownership, Jerry Jones in particular, is doing. And that's the reason why he said what he said the other day. But there's still a social issue out there that we're not dealing with. And I think the owners are wrong by the fact that they want to cover this up by saying, that it's all about the money or it's all about what's going on as far as sponsorship or whatnot. There's still the issue. Give the players a platform. Allow the players to have some type of platform to release themselves with these social issues. And I think that's still an issue that we're going to have to deal with. If Ownership is still going to have this issue to deal with.
8: Yeah, I mean, this doesn't feel like an issue in isolation to me. And I think that's part of the reason why it causes such a reaction for me and so many other people is that this is a a. An event and a series of events that kind of makes it feel like uh, it seems to us at least like America does not like or appreciate black people being outspoken because there's no way, understand Will, you say that you take issue with the the, with the way of protest, but there's never been a way that anyone's ever been happy. Like when, when people march, they attack them with dogs. People kneel, they tell them to stand up. When Kaepernick sat down, they told them to kneel. People put their fists up. There's a problem with that. But when people get shot in the streets, there doesn't seem the same type of outcry. So I know that it, it may not seem like this to some people, but from many of our perspectives, it seems like we are not being appreciated or at least respected in a way that we want to be. And if we demand respect, the response to that is shut up. And you're gonna stand up when I tell you to stand up. And it's just, it's hard for somebody like me, and I, I'm, I'm no longer a player. I think it's particularly difficult for guys who are still in the league to put up with that. And I'm not sure that guys would continue to, to put up with that if they feel that they're. Um, that they're being treated like children when when they feel like they're speaking to much more important issues than who wins on Sundays.
9: Dominic, I totally understand that perspective and I understand that there's never been a protest that the majority has appreciated from the minority. I understand that there's never been an effective protest that anyone has ever said, you know, I really liked the form of that protest and then moved on to a solution. I'm aware of that. But on the other side of this equation, I think it's important to understand that if you want to find solutions or at the very least just have conversations that are productive, if you start with insults, you close ears. And when it comes to things as deeply held as the national anthem and the American flag, if you start with an insult, intended or not, at this point, right. it's clear that, how it's matters.
1: received. So, I think that Yeah, matters, but it's clear so. how it, it's received. I
8: don't, don't want to turn this into first take, obviously, and start Please, arguing with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not looking to do, to do that at all. But I think that it's, it's difficult when um, it feels like black people in particular have been impressed in this country for so long and rather than an olive branch be extended from the other side the the response that we get is like no you're doing it wrong how about we look at the fact that it's been done wrong in this country since this country was founded and i'm not trying to argue like i said i'm trying to do this in as uh, compassionate a way as possible but it's angering and i think you can understand how upsetting that might be for us to to um hear a group of people in the majority who have been benefiting from the current structure say, no, we, we would be willing to consider your issues if only you would protest the right way. It just doesn't feel real.
1: Yeah, I, I told Will earlier, it's not first take. We actually got to go to break here. We can't go
8: around in circles. All <laughs> Why y'all was... keep telling me it's not first take? No, inter- I felt your energy colleagues. rise up. Tell him yeah. to, to send me an invite. No, I can
1: come love, yell at you love, on first take if you want. Just a, it's just a time <laughs> thing, and I think the overall point is it does feel like this is going around in circles. We, it feels like we've been having the same conversation for a year, and my concern is that while, yes, the people that don't want their minds and hearts changed, if, 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 I don't think you're coming off of it. I don't mean to make you representative of everybody, Will. No. But I don't think you're coming off of how you feel about the demonstration. So you're right. That is a roadblock. But on the flip side, are the players conceding their right to free speech? And they are, con- are they conceding that point? At the expense of what? Because everybody's devoting the energy to saying, that's wrong, I'm offended. Or are you going to devote the same energy to
9: helping to
1: find solutions to the, the problem. problems yeah. that predicate the, the, the protest in the first place? Does that make
9: sense? Yeah, but I can't speak for everybody. I of course not. Right no, no. I can for speak you. for myself. And I can tell you before and after this protest, before and after this issues is in the news cycle, I'll be here to have these conversations with you, Dominique, Darren, whoever wants us to have them. And the things that we agree on, find solutions.
1: All right. I think we can leave it there. All right, so game four to NLDS between the Nats and Cubs has been postponed by rain. Game four now scheduled for Wednesday afternoon at 4.08 Eastern. Cubs looking to close out the Nats up 2-1. Joe Madden said that Jake Arrieta will still get the start. Nationals manager Dusty Baker, he left open the possibility of using game one starter Steven Strasburg pitching on regular rest, but he's still under the weather, so instead Tanner Roark will get the ball. Rain, rain, go away. United States men's national team had a limited training session Monday ahead of their match tonight against Trinidad and Tobago because much of the field was submerged in water, and U.S. manager Bruce Arena had a message for the top teams in Europe.
7: How would you describe, I guess, to people around the world what copycat qualifying is like since you've been through
5: it a few times and now you're going through it again and experiencing some
10: strength? I, I would love to see
1: one of these hotshot teams from Europe come here and play in our CONCACAF qualifying and really get a taste of this and see what that's about it's this is very challenging this is like survival of the fittest they could do a uh, you know one of those tv shows on this rns team usa arriving eight eastern world cup qualifying match front of the tobago win and you're in, although it is still at 93%. Yeah. According <laughs> There's our six other problem.
7: scenarios, Michael, exactly. they didn't get in. That's
1: Taylor Twelman, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what challenges, uh, what problems does this, does this pitch present for the men?
7: Uh, it's a good question because obviously that was yesterday, and then you go on Twitter over the last 35, 40 minutes preparing to do this hit with you, and the field's absolutely fine. There's no okay. water whatsoever. There's a little bit of an issue. The lights haven't turned on yet. It's expect the unexpected, Michael. And listen, Bruce is saying one thing, But, listen, Belgium played Bosnia. It was on a cow pasture. This is part of World Cup qualifying. You have to go to hostile environments, places where you don't control everything. You expect the unexpected in World Cup qualifying. And, listen, it's the final game. Just get the job, get the result, get out of there, and move on to Russia eight months from
1: now. I know that's right. Uh, Portugal won today, so we see Cristiano Ronaldo in the 2018 World Cup, but we might not see Lionel Messi, as Argentina needs a win and some help tonight to avoid a potential playoff with New Zealand if they don't end up qualifying for Russia. How will that affect Messi's legacy?
7: Ooh, that's Taylor? a good question. That's a good question. Because, on that's one two hand. questions out of me? It, it is. That's amazing. Thank and you, man, I didn't Sam. write the question. Thank you, by man, Sam. I, I will say this. I don't. No, on one hand, I want to say yes. It hurts his legacy because Pelé, Beckenbauer, Cruyff, they never missed it. Maradona, they never missed a World Cup. But I often hear you and Jamal all the time argue about LeBron's legacy. And and listen, when you – this team that Argentina has, I hate saying it, but it's fact, they're not good enough. Mm. So you can have the best player in the world. But in soccer, unlike basketball and other sports, it can only take you so far. He's only played nine of 17 games. So Michael, to sum it up, in the soccer world, I still think it doesn't hurt his legacy
1: you got a very strong legacy as it relates to the show. Yeah, that, that's why
7: my hit's about 90 That's seconds. not saying Just much. Just get done. out of here. Thank you. Sort of sweet. <laughs> all right, so with Oklahoma
1: going down Saturday to Iowa State, Bama, Clemson, Penn State, they're all in good shape for the playoffs. But here are, according to the Big Swagoo, a quartet of contenders that are in position to make a playoff push. Those would be Georgia, TCU, Wisconsin, and Washington State. The Big Swagoo to his friends. You may know him as Marcus Spears. He joins the show now. Which of those four Power Five teams is most likely to make the playoffs?
3: M, what's up, my man? It's Georgia, brother. And when you look at uh, the schedule and how things are playing out, they have two top ten opponents that they are going to face. The good thing that helps Georgia is that they face Auburn in a cross uh, between the East and the West in the SEC. So it's two wins that they can put on the board or a win going undefeated into Atlanta in the SEC championship. And even if you lose to Alabama and have a good showing, you're still playing against probably – who's going to be the number one team at that point. So I think Georgia has a good path, not an easy path, but a good path. If they beat Auburn, who's a very good football team right now, and go to the SEC championship undefeated and lose the Bama in a closely contested or even win that game, you could see two teams from the SEC. But I think Georgia right now has the strongest case. So Baker Mayfield,
1: he started 38 games in his career. Texas is the only team that's beaten him more than once. Texas 2-0 in conference play for the first time since 2013. Their chance to win the Big 12 would jump to 17 17- with the win on Saturday. So why is this game, in your opinion, the best matchup of the weekend?
10: Well,
3: first of all, the rivalry. It's the Red River rivalry and everybody is excited. This means so much to both of these states. But when you look at what Oklahoma has been dealing with over the past two weeks, their defense has been abysmal and Shane Bouchelle and Tom Herman are going to put up some offensive points. So when you look at this game coming into it, it could have a lot of implications on the college football playoff, but it also could have a lot of implications on Texas and whether this program is starting to reemerge as one of those top programs we think about in college football, like we like to. The Longhorns have been a staple in the Mack Brown era, era. So many great players. Vince Young uh, comes to mind when you think about Texas. This could be a stepping stone for Texas, this program, and this could keep keep Oklahoma in the hunt. All right, see more Marcus Spears on SEC Network in his new show, Talking Out Loud with Greg
1: McElroy. I like it, man. <laughs> the other nuggets to hit you before we leave. Indians manager Terry Francona, optimistic that Edwin Encarnacion will be able to play in Cleveland's decisive ALDS game five against the Yankees after missing the last two of course with that sprained right ankle Josh Gordon, love that he opened up about his extensive drug use being enabled at Baylor and his recent 90 plus days in rehab in a mini documentary on Uninterrupted, it sounds like he gets it you need to check that out and shout out to Odell Beckham Jr. posting this photo of him going into surgery saying thank you all for your prayers, you better believe that I'll be back better than ever, Godspeed all right. That'll do it. We made it. See you tomorrow. That's it for the six sports and continues on ESPN news. College football playoff top 25 is next on ESPN. I appreciate you guys.